0: I was on my way to the hospital to see Dr. Hughley Friday and I had someone with me and there was a a bumper sticker and it said, God's dead. That's what it said, right? That's what it said. I was pointing to Jim, that's what it said. Jim was with me, but that's wrong. He's alive, very much alive. I hope he's alive in your life, I hope that's true. Um. There's a story told about this little boy, He's a, in fact, he was a preacher's kid, about 10 years old, and and every week, he would watch his daddy go up on the stage right at the beginning of the service, and uh, that's, you know, some churches have that, where you have all the, the pastoral staff sitting in, on the stage, praise God, we don't have that, and um, so this little boy saw his dad go up on that stage. Every single week, and he would take his seat, and the first thing his dad would do would be to bow his head. And so the little boy was curious about that, and after church, he went up to his daddy. He said, Daddy, how come every Sunday the first thing you do is bow your head when you sit in your chair? And his daddy looked at him, and he said, Son, I'm praying that the Lord will give me a good sermon A little boy looked up at his daddy and he said, how come he does not answer your prayer, daddy? (laughs) Oh, my goodness gracious. All right, 2 Peter chapter 2 is our text for today. Chapter 2, we have turned to another chapter. Woo! And if you're visiting with us today, you'll catch on, all right? But... I'll say this, that um, we're not going to spend an inordinate amount of time in chapter 2. It's one of those chapters, you're laughing, but it's one of those chapters that um, there's no instruction given in it. I mean, there's no mandates. Um, He doesn't say, do this and do that and don't do this and don't do that. In fact... Some some people probably would just come to chapter two of Second Peter and kind of want to shut the door. Ah, eh, we don't really how how important is that really? You know, the subject of false teachers, is that really something that just excites you? I mean, do you just stand up and go, Yeah, I'm ready to study false teachers. But it's in there. That's kind of how I look at it. It's there. And so we have to deal with it. And I, I look at Second Peter chapter 2 as a warning chapter. It warns us. It warns the church that there indeed are false teachers. We don't have to go very far in our culture to find them. Um, you turn on your TV, you listen to your radio, and you will find false teachers some of the most difficult ones, however, to, to really pin down are those ones that disguise themselves real well. Um, and so today is kind of an introduction to, to um, the second chapter, and, and it's really about warning. Um, that's what Peter's doing, he's warning his audience about the presence of false teachers um, back in 2011 you remember april the 27th that was a day of warning was it not and 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 we saw on our televisions as long as as we had or were able to access our television um we were able to see that huge tornado you remember that that came through i remember seeing it on television and, and it's coming through tuscaloosa i mean and that thing was massive and if there's one thing that people in the state of Alabama will listen to in terms of warning, it's tornado warnings, right? I remember when we moved to Alabama, my wife said, babe, we need a basement. Well, she didn't mean we need a basement because you need a workshop, right? <laughs> she wasn't thinking that. She was thinking in terms of storms, because tornadoes, man, they go on in the state of Alabama. And I remember that, that storm coming across Tuscaloosa and thinking, Man Lord, but you remember the aftermath, the destruction. And even people in our own congregation felt some of that. And that's kind of how false teaching works. False teaching is like a tornado, except this tornado these tornadoes come about at night. You know, tornadoes at night are hard to pinpoint. Those who are deceivers sometimes are hard to pinpoint because they look the part, they sound the part. They even have some of the same language. Um, But they're kind of like Paul describes in Galatians 1 when he says to beware of those false teachers. He says um, in Galatians 1 he's warning about them, right? And he says, and and they're they're actually giving a different gospel that's not really the gospel. Because there is only one gospel, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what I wanted to do today is kind of just go through some warning uh, sections. We're going to look at verse 1, at least the first part of verse 1. So if you'll give me this week and next week to get through verses 1 through 3... Then after that, we'll make some progress. Is that a deal? All right. There is a, a passage of Scripture that I believe um, kind of highlights what, what we're living in. Um, Paul wrote it to Timothy. He wrote these, these words in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. He says, for the time will come, and it's here right? It was present in their day, but it's here. When they will not endure sound doctrine, sound teaching. That's the idea of the word doctrine. Sound teaching. But wanting to have their ears tickled. Now notice the effort here. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. Uh, You know, immediately the, the movement of Health, wealth, and prosperity theology comes to my mind. Listen to me. The American dream is health, wealth, and prosperity. Right? But when you look in the Bible, I guess the apostles, man, they forgot to address that. Because when you look at their lives, you take the life of the apostle Paul. There was a whole lot of suffering. You take the life of Peter. There was a whole lot of suffering. In fact, you take the lives of the apostles and they were all martyred except for John. Now, is that the kind of Christianity that people are promoting today? That that indeed, the godly in Christ Jesus, what? Will suffer. Not might suffer, will suffer. And you know why the godly in Christ Jesus will suffer? Because... Those in Christ that are truly born again want to stand on the Word of God. And you will be ridiculed and called a lunatic for doing so. Call me a lunatic. I'm standing on the book. That's what I'm doing. I've been called a lunatic crazy. That's all right. I'm crazy for Christ. I mean, I wish you guys could have seen the singing that was going on today. There's a lot of you that are crazy for Christ. Notice what he says. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth. We'll turn aside to myths. Every time I think about that little phrase, we'll turn away their ears from the truth. I think about the commitment level of the apostles in the early church. If you want to read about the commitment level, the unapologetic way that those guys shared the gospel they didn't share the gospel and go well i'm I'm, i don't know did that sound okay in fact at one point in peter's sermon he says there is salvation in what no other name take that how does that sound today in our culture doesn't sound good in fact there are some false teachers who have been interviewed On programs who cannot unequivocally say that Jesus is the only way. I don't know if you've watched some of those interviews. I won't name names today. But I've seen them. And they just won't say that Jesus is the only way. You know why they won't say it? Because they have an audience right out there that doesn't want to hear it. But do you know what? The true believing church wants to hear it. And that's what the Lord has charged us to do, to preach the gospel. Well, that's kind of one of those sections in Scripture I look at and kind of foundational to this whole issue of of false teaching. Um, I have a quote, and this is where your notes begin, by the way, if you have your notes out. I can't promise you we're going to follow those notes to a T today. J.C. Ryle wrote this about false teaching. He said, it's hard enough to fight the devil, the world, and the flesh without, without private differences in our own camps. And there are differences. There are differences in Christendom. But he says, there is one thing which is worse than controversy, and that is false doctrine that is tolerated. False doctrine that's allowed false doctrine that is permitted without protest um like for example um gay marriage by the way it's not marriage just in case you want to know that because god doesn't view it as what marriage god doesn't view it that way it was not that way from the beginning there was Adam and Eve, period. Right? That's it. So when people out there, and this is what's happened, and it's so sad. I look at denominations, some of the denomination, uh, denominational churches today who have caved into this issue. You know them. You've read about them. And they say, well, has God really said I mean, is it really that big a deal? My friends, listen to me. You, young people, you listen to me. It is that big a deal. It's that big a deal because God said. Not because Thad said, but because God said. God said marriage is between one man and one woman for life. That's what God says. Now, the church has had to back off and keep their hands up in the air and, oh, we can't talk about this. But if God talks about it, we have to talk about it. It's just like abortion. I mean, I just can't stand it. It drives me crazy. We all know as believers what? God is the one who is the author of life. Abortion's murder. So those who are out there saying, well, it's not that big a deal, and they're doing it in churches, that's false teaching. That's false teaching who don't address the issue of adultery. That's false teaching. See, there's a long list. So J.C. Ryle writes, he says, there's one thing which is worse than controversy and that is false doctrine tolerated, allowed and permitted without protest. By the way, you know the greatest way that you and I can stand? I don't think it's necessarily taking signs and walking across, down streets. I don't think it's necessarily that. If you want to do that, that's fine. You know what I think it is? You personally standing on God's Word in your circle of influence, right? Because all of us have one. You all have people, especially you think about these young people. I was thinking about them today. Think about the pressure there is just in their schools to accept alternative lifestyles, right? We need to pray for these young people. We do. They're all over the place. They're not just here. There's some of you that are young over here. We need to pray for those young people, that they would stand on the word of God. Listen to me, young people. God is for marriage. He's for that. Hey, listen, you you graduate from high school and you you go off to college or, or you go to work and you meet another young, growing believer. Did you hear what I just said? you catch that, young people? You meet another young, growing believer, you pray about that. You don't just say, oh, well, she looks good or he looks good. I think I'll get married. I always thought, man, I got married when I was 20 years old. That's pretty young. Whew. I can tell you this. The Lord gave me a wonderful blessing in my wife. you're thinking, what was she thinking, right? (laughs) Listen to me. I remember walking in those chapel doors and seeing her, and I thought, I'm marrying that woman. And it didn't take long to find out the depth of who Teresa is. How much she loved the Lord. I want to tell you, young people, listen, there is nothing like having a spouse who loves the Lord. You say, well, now nah, I'm going to change that person. No, you're not. No, you're not. Man, I could preach on that for another 30 minutes. Look what he says. Three things which men ought never to trifle with a little poison, a little false doctrine, and a little sin get you in trouble. You say well yeah they don't teach in that church they don't really they don't teach on the authority of scripture get out of that church. Well they don't really hold real strong theology at relate as it relates to the deity of Christ get out of that church. Well they really don't stand strong in the virgin birth of Christ get out of that church. Well they don't really have much of a stance in relationship to marriage get out of that church. Young people listen to me. Don't just say, well, I'm going to go to this church. You better investigate. What are y'all doing after church today? I got a whole nother lesson for y'all in that youth room. We got some food somewhere we can cook, right? All right, let's get to 2 Peter. Look what he says, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. Now, the first point I think that Peter's making in verse 1 is that their presence is certain. It's, it, it's not like, well, I wonder if there are going to be false teachers. No, there are going to be false teachers. There are going to be those that advocate a different gospel, whose message, right, you're going to find this out to be true, that the message of a lot of false teachers is subtle. In fact, he's going to address that. So he says, their presence is certain, chapter 2, verse 1, but false prophets also arose among the people. We looked a few weeks ago at the book of Jeremiah. I wanted you to see from what it says in the book of Deuteronomy, all right? As Israel exited Egypt, I want you to see what it says here about false prophets. Notice verses 1 through 3, if a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes true concerning which he spoke to you, saying, let us go after other gods whom you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or the dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You know, guys, that testing's on right now and it's all the time. It's all the time. <laughs> I don't know if we've ever been... Yeah, we're tested all the time with that. So, then you go to verse 5 of that chapter. And you find in verse 5... The instruction given, what must they do to a false prophet? (laughs) Right? This wouldn't read too well in many churches. Um, But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be what? Put to death. That's pretty serious stuff. I I read that and I'm like, man, that's serious stuff. God's serious about false teaching. Um... He says, because he is counseled. This is why you put him to death. Because he is counseled rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery to seduce you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall purge the evil from among you. Was Israel always faithful in purging the evil from amongst them? Answer, wow, no. No, they weren't. <sighs> we can say the church isn't today. The church is not today. We're not faithful. Putting people out of the church, that sounds, man, that sounds, ooh, that's tough. But if someone in, the cl- in a classroom is advocating a different gospel, who has responsibility for that? I'm going to tell you, the shepherds of the church. The shepherds do. We're going to see that in the New Testament. It's interesting, though, that in this section in Deuteronomy, and by the way, if you went on to read verses 6 through 10, he talks about the family. Yeah, so it's even more personal than just a person you may be an acquaintance with. So in the middle, though, there's a sandwich right in the middle of this. And it's kind of that prescription to stay on track. Notice what he says to Israel. You shall follow the Lord your God and fear him. That's what you need to do. That word fear is the word phobia. Um, And I think a lot of times when people talk about fear, you know, I I, I like watching Monk. You ever watch the show Monk? Monk's afraid of everything. I mean, if you ever watch that show, he is afraid of everything. But there should be... Not just a reverence, and that's how a lot of times people talk about that term fear, but there ought to be, we ought to be afraid of the Lord, afraid of his discipline, right? We should fear that, truly fear that. And so the Lord tells Israel, You shall follow the Lord your God, you shall fear him, you shall keep his commandments, you shall listen to his voice, and cling to him. When I read that phrase, listen to his voice, I couldn't help but think about John 10. You remember what the Lord says about his sheep? What does the Lord say about his sheep? My sheep what? Hear my voice. Hey. How are we going to hear the voice of God? How are we going to do that? Class, how are we going to do that? scripture listen you go to your algebra class which i know you love young people right you go to that class and you better be listening up because they have problems in algebra that go two or three pages long right they used to drive me nuts right you had to have more paper for algebra than any than english Because you're doing all these problems and they go on page after page. You can't walk into an algebra class and go, yeah, what's going on? You know, and not pay attention. You have to pay attention, right? I didn't like math when I was in high school. Absolutely hated math. I'm still not a fan. (laughs) If I need to do math, I get a calculator, right? And if I can't use a calculator, I'll find somebody else. Somebody's telling me to shush. Now this is, listen, young people, y'all need to stay in that class and learn your math. But I didn't like it. But if I was going to be good in math, I had to get in that math book. Guys, listen to me. If we're going to serve the Lord according to his will, if we're going to listen to him, we got to get in the book. We've got to make it a habit in our lives. Well, Jesus gives a warning. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15. And we're going to go back to this chapter in some of our other weeks in Second Peter 2. But he says, beware of false prophets. Notice the way he describes them. Who come to you in sheep's clothing. Ah, They dress the part. They look the part. They sound like they are part of the household of faith. But man, look at this next phrase. But inwardly, they are ravenous wolves. You know, I'm thankful that I haven't come upon a pack of ravenous wolves. How about you? I'm very thankful for that. I came upon a wild boar one time. I was about a hundred yards or so away. That was good enough. Even though I love pigs, right? I love hogs. But that one didn't look like he wanted to be talked to. But can you imagine ravenous wolves coming after you? What do wolves do? They tear apart, don't they? They rip your flesh. I'm looking at this and I'm going, man inwardly these false teachers are ravenous wolves they're coming to bite and they're coming to devour well that's jesus warning matthew i mean uh, paul has a warning in acts chapter 20 verses 29 and 30 he says i know after my departure savage wolves will come in among you notice the language is the same Savage wolves will come in among you. He's addressing the elders at Miletus. That's the context of Matthew chapter 20. And he meets with these Ephesian elders and he says, I know after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. By the way, false teachers aren't just after one. They're after all. Right? They're after all. Not sparing the flock. From among your own selves, men will arise. Uh Uh-oh. Now look to your left and look to your right. That's what that means. That's what that means. That means there may be false teachers in our midst today. You say, oh, that's harsh. Well, I don't know. But it might be true. Might be, right? We've had them before. Might be. Not sparing the flock. From among your own selves, men will arise. Man, if you were one of those elders, you had to be going, what? Because when we think about the church, we think about safety, don't we? Hey, listen, the church is a safe place to be as a body. But we have to have our antennas up. And he said, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. I thought the term perverse in the Greek was interesting. It means... To distort, to oppose, to plot against. This is the idea of the word. It means to distort, oppose, or plot against the plans and purposes of God. So God has given us his plan, his purpose. We get guidance from his word. So every teacher that teaches you needs to be pointing to the word of God. And the little antennas on your head need to go up saying, Hey, hey, is this guy speaking the truth? And that includes me. Doesn't matter who it is. So, Paul said in Acts 20, 29 and 30, he gives warning to the Ephesian elders. But you know what? Right before that, he gives instruction to these shepherds. Notice what he says Be on guard. That word guard is an interesting word, it means to hold your mind toward. So the shepherds or the elders are to hold their minds toward themselves and all the flock. Among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. We're going to talk about that word in just a minute. To shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. That word uh, overseer means inspector. That's what it means. So that... One of the ways that the shepherds of the church guard the flock is by inspecting others who teach the Word. They're inspectors. When I worked at um, UPS, I was an inspector. I worked at UPS in college, and and I worked from 3.30 in the morning until 6.30 in the morning. and, And these big... Planes would land and and we would get those big crates off of those planes and we had to separate boxes. And part of our job was to inspect the box and to separate all the boxes that were going to Montgomery. Now that sounds like an easy job, doesn't it? But listen to me. At three thirty in the morning, nothing's that easy. And and so on, the, on, on this conveyor belt, right, these boxes are just going 90 to nothing down this conveyor belt. We didn't do anything till the plane landed, but when the plane landed, we were nonstop work. And you couldn't be half asleep because there's hundreds of boxes coming across that conveyor belt. And you're supposed to be looking and inspecting to make sure that the boxes that were for Montgomery and the surrounding area of Montgomery were taken off that conveyor belt and put in another box in another uh bend that's what your responsibility was and guess what happened if you didn't do that the boss would come up to you and say hey nice job guys nice job no he got on you because you were responsible to do what to inspect the box to separate out those that went to montgomery i had another job in college that reminded me of this term I worked at Service Merchandise in college over there at, uh, what do you call it? Meta, uh, east, that, that Eastwood Mall, right? And y'all remember Service Merchandise? You young people aren't going to remember this, but all right, they had a place, Service Merchandise. and this is a store. You'd walk through the store and you'd pull a ticket if you wanted that item and you'd bring it to the register. And then they would give, that ticket would come up where I was upstairs, and I was one of the inspectors. And what I did was I would go to, to, to the shelves and I would pull that item, whatever that, that was that they were getting. And I would take that box and I would inspect that box. Any damage on that box, that box did not go down that conveyor. But you know what? We're not perfect. And every once in a while, we'd send a box down that was damaged. And guess what happened? The boss sent it right back up. It said, get me a new one. Hey, guys, if we are going to be committed to the truth of God's word and protecting the sheep as shepherds, we've got to be inspectors. And that's exactly what Paul is saying to these elders in verse 28 of Acts 20. All right, let me give you three things to take home, and I want to give you one example before we leave. All right? Every believer, every believer should be an examiner. That's what the Word tells us about the church at Berea. Do you know in Acts 17, the Bible says about the Bereans that they eagerly examined the Scriptures? So all of us have the responsibility to be an examiner of the Word of God. Secondly, shepherds must be alert and proactive. Proactive. Alert and proactive. Every shepherd in here, listen, and that's what this means. Every shepherd in here must walk among the flock. That's our responsibility. We walk among the flock and we inspect and we're proactive. A lot of times in churches, churches are reactive, but we need to be proactive. When we see something out there, right, that's false, we need to make sure that we know what it is and that we're able to give an answer. That's what Peter says, right? Be ready to give an answer. And so, Shepherds must be alert. They must be proactive. And thirdly, question, what are some false teachings that have subtly entered the church today? Let me just give you a few examples. Whether you agree or not, I don't know. But this is what I've written down. One example would be learn to love yourself. Is that good teaching or is that false teaching? Prosperity theology. Is that good teaching or false teaching? Hell is not real. Good teaching or false teaching? Well, who doesn't want to hear hell's not real? Right? And then lastly, another example is heaven is for everyone. Is that true or false? It's false. It's false. There's a popular preacher that had a message where he was talking about the condition of man. And he made this statement. I just wanted you to kind of look at it. And I got a question up there. What do you think? In dealing with people, he said this and wrote this. In dealing with people for several years, now this is a very popular guy, thousands of people, one thing I can tell you, and he was speaking about the condition of man, he says, one thing I can tell you is that 99.9% of people are not bad people. They may make poor choices, but deep down, they have a good heart. Amen? Is that true or false? It sounds good, right? But this guy, he has a lot of influence, over millions of people. So I thought, well, there's his statement. Of course, there they're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what the Bible says. So this is how we do it, right? This is what he said. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says, as it it is written, there is none righteous, not even what? Oh, man. Did you hear how B started out this morning? Were you paying attention? Hey, all of us, right? As we grow older in the Lord, we're fully aware of this wretched man, (laughs) right? And we are amazed at the grace of God and how he uses us in spite of that. And if you're not, you need to be. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. Uh-oh. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Yeah, but, 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 but he gives away houses and cars, and she gives away houses and cars, filthy rags. Hmm. <laughs> The Bible says, the heart is what? Deceitful above all things and desperately good. Is that what it says? No, desperately wicked. Who can know it? And Ecclesiastes says, the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil. And in, look at this. I was like when I was reading I was like yeah that's true <laughs> and insanity is in their hearts throughout their lives I was thinking about myself because apart from the spirit of God listen to me the only thing working out good in me is the spirit who's working the only righteousness I can claim is the righteousness of Christ <laughs> so I understand how evil and insane I am uh, for out of the heart Matthew, right, in here, Jesus said, out of the heart come what? Evil ideas, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when the rapture takes place? But 99.9% are all good people. You know, 99% of you guys are good people. Now listen, if you walked in a church... And heard that. Can I go back to that? Yeah. Uh, if you walked into church and you heard that. And the pastor got up and said man you're really good. You guys are good people. You're just good people. I mean you're conditioned you know. I mean hey. What's this word sin anyway? You don't hear that a bunch do you? But guys I got good news for you anyway. Paul's conclusion in the first three chapters of Romans is that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God that's the conclusion of Paul on the condition of man Oh, my friends listen to me but you don't stop with the sin problem when you're presenting the gospel please don't stop there right we are sinful our condition is awful But the Bible says to us that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he was raised the third day according to the scriptures. Young people, listen to me. All of you are sinners. I'm a sinner. I'm first. You know what Paul called himself? He called himself the chief of sinners. I've got great news for you. The Lord loved you so much, He went to the cross and paid for your sin. Have you trusted Him as your Savior today? Do you know Him? There's a man that wrote, I think he calls himself a pastor. He wrote a book and I saw a TV interview with him. He was with a pretty popular TV host and he was declaring these I Am statements. And so at the end of the telecast, he, the, the host said to the, um, the, the pastor that was sitting there, he said, why don't you stand and begin to proclaim some of those I am statements? And so you know what he did? He stood up and started proclaiming some of those I am statements. And he said, I am strong. And all these guys are out there, I am strong. Right? And he went on and on and on about how strong they were and what they could do. And you know what I began to think about? There's some I am statements in the Bible. One of those, Paul said, "Oh wretched man that what? I I am. That one didn't come across when he was talking to that audience. He didn't say anything about that. But now I thought, man, the I am statements... They're reserved for God. They're reserved for God. I know there are a lot of people out there influenced by false teaching. And it's sad to me. I can only tell you this. There's a whole lot of warning about it. And I truly believe that the best way that you and I can equip ourselves is to do what the Bible tells us to do to put on the full armor of God so that we'll be able to stand against the schemes of the enemy let's pray together Lord this subject is really vast it, it, uh, there's just so much to cover and we know it's on your heart Lord because um, you've given us your word and um, not only did Israel face false prophets there were false prophets in the day of our Lord as he lived on earth. There were false teachers around the apostles, around the church. There are false teachers today. It's not one of those subjects that's necessarily encouraging. But Lord, um, I pray somehow you would do that for us. That you would encourage us to know that, that we're on the right path. Uh, those of us that belong to you. Um, I pray we would stand on your word, on your truth. As these believers, they were facing that problem. I pray that each of us, Lord, would recognize that that we have, we all have the responsibility to be examiners. Just as when we, we go to the doctor, we want him to examine or her to examine us thoroughly. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to examine your word thoroughly. And that we would be strong advocates of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Unashamedly, we would stand on your truth. Uh, Help us by your spirit, we pray in the name of Christ. Amen.